You're listening to Time for More, a podcast that inspires people to love Jesus and to love the Bible that Jesus loved. My name is Steve Paul. I'm a pastor, a husband, a father, and a friend. Each week I preach a sermon in my church, and there isn't always time for the more complicated stuff. In this podcast, we take time for more. More about Jesus, more about who he is, and more about the Bible that Jesus loved. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. So happy that you joined us this week for the Time for More podcast. And of course, here we want to take a look at Jesus, at who he is. We want to take a deeper look at the text, talk about some of the things that we weren't able to address yesterday. Now, of course, yesterday in the sermon, if you missed it, we talked about in Mark chapter 2, Jesus calling Levi, otherwise known as Matthew, in, in the call of Levi. Today, I want to talk about some of the things that Mark is saying about Jesus in in the portions of Mark's gospel that we had to skip in order to get through to uh, Levi yesterday. So Mark is actually making the case that Jesus is the Lord of all, that Jesus is Lord over the spiritual realm, that Jesus is Lord over the physical realm, and that Jesus is Lord over sin. And I want to take a look at how Mark goes about doing that. Of course, just by way of recap, we know that Mark has alluded to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And we we saw the Father uh, speaking from heaven, a voice speaking from heaven, saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Of course, we're presuming that is the Father speaking, that's God speaking. And then we saw an allusion to Jesus as the prophet, the long-expected prophet, and we talked a little bit about that in past podcast. So today, Jesus, Lord of all, that is the theme here, and Jesus, Lord over the spiritual realm. So picking up from where Mark, or where we left off, uh, last week we have Jesus' call of the first disciples in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to 20. And then if you start to look at verse 21, now Jesus, of course, is enacting out. He's going and he's doing this. He's proclaiming this by his actions. And Mark is telling us the story and Mark is organizing the story for us. And in Mark's organization of the story, he's reaffirming this idea that Jesus is Lord of all. Now, if you go and take a look at Luke Uh, The way that Luke proclaims it, or the way that Luke sets this same material up, is is Luke has Jesus in the synagogue, and he's reading from Isaiah 61, and uh, it's a a declaration of, uh, of who Jesus is, and then Jesus says, this has been fulfilled in your presence, and then Jesus goes out and does all this stuff. Mark is is more subtle. Uh, Mark uh, has a different approach. And so Mark just shows us what Jesus is and who Jesus is by Jesus' actions. So here we'll start in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So here we have 
a demon speaking out and declaring to us and telling us who Jesus is. The demon says, you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus, surprisingly, he doesn't want people to know this at this point, and he reprimands this evil spirit, and he says, be quiet, come out of the man. And at that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and they then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience. They began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. So there we see in story form, now, of course, we've talked about this before. Jesus is, is enacting all of this. Jesus is going out. He's taking the initiative. Mark is recording for us what Jesus is doing. But Mark is using this story. He's not adding any extra narrative information about Jesus. He's just using this story to show us that Jesus is Lord over the spiritual realm. Jesus is Lord over the demonic realm. So this, this demonic spirit speaks out, says, I know who you are. You've come to destroy us. So we get this impression that the, uh, even the, the spiritual realm knows who Jesus is, and those who are in opposition to God, they know that they are in trouble, that Jesus has come to destroy, Jesus has come to break down the powers of spiritual uh, bondage that are over people's lives. And um, we, we've seen this throughout human history. Of course, we've seen that people um, sometimes can, we can get ourselves into spiritual bondage. Sometimes we can find ourselves in situations where we are in a form of bondage because of, uh, maybe because of repeated action or behavior in our life, maybe because of, of things that come from a family history and those kind of things. And um, in, in Jesus' era, in Jesus' day, that is attributed to sometimes to demonic forces that, have, uh, uh, that are holding that person in bondage. And of course, Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm. So Jesus can take authority over that. So so Jesus has this power to help people out of the spiritual bondage that they're in, and even the demons recognize that Jesus is Lord. So that's the, the first story there. And then, of course, Mark goes on, and uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 29, we start to see Jesus healing some people. We're going to get to that in a little bit. And then at the end of that story, verse 34 to 39, we see that Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons, but because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. So this is a repeated theme early on in Mark's gospel that the demons know who Jesus is, the spiritual realm knows who Jesus is, Jesus does not yet want people to know who he is, and so he commands them not to speak. So Jesus is Lord, 
over the spiritual realm. Then as we move on, we see Jesus preaching in Galilee, and uh, we, you know, we see some similar things there, but we want to move on to Mark chapter 1, verse 40, and here we see that Jesus has, is Lord over the physical realm. So Jesus is Lord over our physical bodies, the physical realm. He has the ability to heal. We see a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. And again, we see this similar idea of a warning. Uh, This time, Jesus is warning the human that he's just healed, the person that he's just healed, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So this man wants to make a public declaration or a public testimony of what Jesus has done in his life. Jesus has just healed him of leprosy, which is a horrible disease. It's a disease that had no cure. It's a disease that gradually uh, wore away your body and... um, People didn't know what to do with leprosy, so the people who had leprosy were um, forced to live off away from people, off the beaten path, so to speak. And so it's a tough life, it's a hard life, it's a lonely life. And here this man has now been healed by Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, you want to go, you, you go make a public declaration, but please don't do that. Don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the temple, talk to you know, give a sacrifice, that's going to be your public declaration. We saw earlier, of course, the demons, they obey Jesus and they stop speaking. Well, this guy does not obey Jesus and he goes out and he tells everybody about what Jesus has done. But the man went, verse 45 here, the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So here we see Jesus is Lord over the physical realm. He is able to take a disease like leprosy. He is able to bring complete healing to this disease. And if, if you, I mean, you can imagine if something like that was happening in, in our day, um, anybody who has uh, an addiction, who has a disease, who has some form of mental health challenge or struggle, they would be going to Jesus for healing. They would be seeking Jesus out. They would be running to find him. If they, if Jesus appeared today and he was doing his ministry today, it would be all over the news. It would be everywhere. People would be clamoring to find him. And that's what happens here. Large crowds soon start to follow Jesus. And uh, everyone surrounding him, he couldn't go out in public anymore. Couldn't go into a town anywhere anymore. And he had to stay in, in secluded places. 
people from everywhere kept coming to him. So he's Lord over the spiritual realm, and he's Lord over the physical realm. Take a look at chapter 2, looking at, uh, at this next story. And at first it looks like it's a similar story. We're going to see a paralyzed man. And okay, is this another story that's telling us Jesus has authority over the physical realm? Okay, that it, you know would be interesting. Again, another example of that. That would be great. But Mark is actually doing something a little bit different here. Mark is showing us that Jesus has authority over sin. So let's just take a look at how this story plays out. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Not quite what we are expecting. We're expecting that Jesus is simply going to honor their faith and heal this man that they've brought in, this friend that they have brought in. And instead, Jesus throws a curveball here, and he is going to say, hey, not only am I Lord of the spiritual realm, Lord of the physical realm, I am the Lord of sin. I am Lord over sin. I have the power to forgive sins. Now we look at that and we say, okay, you know, uh, you know, it, your sins are forgiven. Okay, what is, what is actually happening there? Well, the Pharisees point out that only God has the power and the ability to forgive sin. They say, verse 6, Mark chapter 2, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And I want to take you back here because it's important for us to catch this particular uh, thing that's happening here. Go to Exodus chapter 34, Exodus chapter 34, and I want to take you to the passage where Isaiah is, or sorry, uh, Moses, this is Moses in Exodus 34, where Moses is appealing to God. He's saying, don't let us go anywhere without your presence. We need your presence. God says, you know, my presence will go with you. I won't abandon you. Then Moses asks God, can you show me your glory? Can I see your glory? God says, no, no one can see me and live. But if you hide in the cleft of the rock, and you look, you can, you can see just a glimpse of me from behind. And then God, as he's revealing his glory, he speaks out his name. He speaks out his name. The New Living Translation, they uh, are assuming that the name of God is pronounced Yahweh. We don't know how the name of God is pronounced, but this particular translation is using that. So here, the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, 
I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And here's the part I want you to catch. Verse 7. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. So that is God's name. And a part of God's name is he is the forgiver of sins. In fact, he's the only one who can forgive sins. I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43. And part of why I want to do this, I just want to show you how um, Isaiah 43 verse 25. I just want to show you how all of this is connected in together. A prophet like Isaiah is not making things up. He's not coming up with things out of the blue. What we're about to read him say, he didn't make up. He is actually reading his Bible, and his Bible at the time is the Torah. And he is reading this story of Moses seeing God's glory, God's declaration of who he is, God declaring himself as the one who's the forgiver of sins. And then Isaiah says this. Uh, He's talking about the sins of Israel. He's talking about the sacrifices that they have brought to him. And he's saying, you've burdened me with your sins. You know, you think you're bringing sacrifices to me, but you've burdened me with your sins and wearied me with all your faults. And then God says this through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. So Isaiah is reinforcing this idea that God alone is the one who can forgive sins. So we see God saying, I, and then clarifying it, I alone will blot out your sins. So we come back to Mark chapter 2, and that is what the Pharisees are referring to. When Jesus says, my child, your sins are forgiven. And then these teachers of the law are thinking in their heads, that's blasphemy. He is saying that he is God by saying that he can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And there's, here's what he says to them. Why do you question this in your hearts? It's easier to say to the paralyzed man, Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now Jesus could have simply just healed the man, but he wants to make a point here. Uh, you know, I'm not just the one who has authority over demons. I'm not just the one who has authority over the physical realm as a healer. I am God. And so he makes a point of forgiving this man's sins first and then healing him. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. And of course, there we come now 
in Mark 2 verse 13 to the passage that we discussed yesterday in our sermon. But here we see from the beginning of Mark, we've seen that Jesus is the Son of God. We've seen that Jesus is the prophet we've been expecting. Now we see that Jesus is Lord over all. He's Lord over the spiritual realm. He's Lord over the physical realm. He's Lord over sin. He's Lord over the power of sin. He's, he, he, just like God alone has the power to forgive sins, he is God and he has the power to forgive sins. I want to take you to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And Colossians is a section of scripture. This is coming after, of course, Jesus is risen from the dead. And the Apostle Paul is reflecting on Jesus' life. He's reflecting on Jesus' testimony about himself. He's reflecting on all that Jesus has done. And it's not explicitly declared here in Mark chapter 1 and 2, but Paul is reading this and he is seeing this and he's talking to the other apostles, the ones who knew Jesus when he was alive, and they are all convinced Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord over all. So Paul declares what Mark is subtly saying, Paul declares out, out loud. He says, Christ is the, in, the visible image of the invisible God. So God has, has now made himself visible to us in Jesus. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So the implications of Jesus having the authority, being the Lord over the demonic realm, and Jesus having authority over um, the physical realm and being able to heal people, Paul takes that and, and he's like, yeah, Jesus is God and Jesus has the authority. Uh, he's the creator. As God, he's the one who created all of these things. And so he has created such things as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities of the unseen world. So every, every spiritual authority that you can imagine is in the world every demonic authority, all of the powers, all of the principalities, Jesus is Lord over them all. And Mark is showing us that Paul is going to come out and actually declare that. Then he goes on to say he existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all, who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And that, of course, is talking about forgiveness, about Jesus' authority to forgive sins, and what Jesus has done on the cross, and its ability to remove the power of sin 
from our lives. And just, you know, you need to be encouraged with that today. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. He has power over sin. He has power over every spiritual stronghold that's in your life. He has power and authority over all of those things because Jesus is the Lord of all. Now, I want to go back to Mark chapter 1, and I want to, as we close out the podcast today, um, I just want to point out to you something that's happening in Mark, and I've, I've referred to this already, and, and so often people will read the Bible and they'll say things like, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. And they'll look at the Gospels, and they, they aren't necessarily as interested in what Paul has to say. They, they would say, oh, Paul, you know, he's later on, he's convinced Jesus is God, but did Jesus actually say he was God? So they'll go back to a Gospel like Mark and say, well, we don't see Jesus actually saying he's God. Well, part of the, the trouble with that is that Mark is using other voices to declare that Jesus is Lord. Rather than having Jesus say it himself, Mark is putting those concepts and those words into other people's mouth. And and each gospel writer does this in a little bit of a different way. I just want to show you what Mark does and how Mark uses the voices in his in his gospel to point to us and show us that Jesus is God. First of all, Mark chapter 1 verse 11, he has the Father declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. And of course, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. We realized, recognized that is a declaration that uh, Jesus, uh, that, that Jesus is God's Son, that Jesus is the Davidic King, that Jesus as Son of God is the ideas of Son of God is connected to the idea of kingship, and the king was seen as God's representative on earth, and even kind of sort of seen as God. And so this is the Father, voice coming from heaven, this, this is my Son, Son of God, is uh, uh, imagery declaring that Jesus is God. And then, of course, we see the demons in Mark chapter 1, verse 23. We've seen that today. They declare that Jesus of Nazareth is the Holy One of God. So they're declaring that Jesus is Messiah. He's Son of God. They're making that declaration as well. And then we see the leprous man. He's declaring that Jesus is his healer in Mark 1, verse 45. And he he goes out and he spreads the word, proclaiming to everyone, this is what this man has done. So Jesus is the healer. The Pharisees, they're the ones who point out, hey, if you are saying that you can forgive sins, then you're actually also saying that you are God, because only God can forgive sins. So, Everything that's true about Jesus is being put into the mouth of people around him. And then we see the disciples saying, and this is, this is awesome, Mark chapter 4. I'm just going to scroll quickly ahead to Mark chapter 4. Sorry if this makes you dizzy if you're watching this on the screen here, but Mark chapter 4, verse 
41. This is after the the story of Jesus walking on water, and he calms the storm, and he says to the waves, silence, be still. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Suddenly the wind stops. There was a great calm. And then he asks them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then the disciples, so catch this, everybody else sees that Jesus is claiming to be God and that Jesus is, is God, right? So the Father speaks it from heaven. We see the prophet imagery. Um, we see, of course, the demon saying, you're the Holy One of God. There's another passage in Mark where they say, you're the Son of God. Then the leprous man, he's a healer, and only God can heal. And the, the Pharisees saying, you know, you can't say you can, you can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Everybody else sees it. Everybody else sees that Jesus is declaring that he's God. Look what the disciples say. Uh, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They say, even the winds and the waves obey him. And this is interesting in Mark. You can go through Mark. And the disciples are constantly trying to figure this out. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Peter declares, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He finally declares that. Um, but it's fascinating how Mark, kind of the disciples are the ones who are, they're clueless. And they don't get it. And Mark has everybody else around and surrounding Jesus. They're the ones that are declaring this about Jesus. Well, in, in Mark's stories, who Jesus is, it comes from the mouth of other people. Jesus doesn't declare it himself. The disciples are often clueless. And, and many people say, okay, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. I just want to point out that when Mark's gospel was written, it would have been somewhere in the 50s and 60s AD when it was being written, circulated, reaching its final form somewhere in the 60s AD. And this was a time when Rome was, they were taking the gospel all throughout the Roman Empire. And in Rome, you had to declare that Caesar is Lord. You had to declare Caesar is Lord. And Mark is writing this, and some scholars believe that Mark is not putting the words in Jesus' mouth on purpose. And he's not putting the words in the disciples' mouth on purpose but that this is a subversive text that's being written in an era where the government is demanding that you must say Caesar is Lord, and it's a subversive text that's saying, no, Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. So the reason that Mark doesn't have the disciples speak it out as clearly and he doesn't have Jesus speak it out as clearly he has everybody else saying it, is it's the idea this is a subversive text written in an empire where you could be persecuted for saying uh, that Jesus is Lord. So he's writing it in a way that maybe would allow the text to get passed along. If somebody discovered it, they aren't going to destroy it because it's not, you know, uh, Jesus saying, I am Lord, Caesar is not Lord. It's being said in other ways, in more subtle ways, that a Roman soldier might not be able to understand. So that's one uh, thing that scholars have pointed out. I'm not sure exactly if that's the best explanation or not. I think it's interesting how Mark organizes and structures his gospel. I think that Jesus is um, being very clear to his disciples who he is 
and he's being uh, very unclear to people around him who he is, and 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 yet he's aware that the Pharisees are getting the significance of this. The the demons are are getting the significance of this. And Jesus is telling them to be quiet, not because he doesn't want it to be known that he is God, or not because he didn't believe he was God, but simply because he does he knows that his time is not yet come. That once, you know, if he were to stand up and declare, hey, by the way, I am God, he would be crucified right away. His ministry would be done. And there's many things that he has to do one of which is preparing the disciples. We're going to talk about that in our sermons coming up here, how Jesus is preparing the disciples through choosing apostles and teaching them how to go out and help those in spiritual bondage, help those who are sick, help those who are oppressed, help those who need healing. And and he is teaching them to do that. He needs time in order to do that. Uh, There's a lot of other things that Jesus knows need to happen. And so his quieting of other people, his being a little more subtle early on, isn't his attempt to say, well, I'm actually not God and other people are saying I am or, you know, anything like that. It's just simply Jesus knowing, okay, my time has not yet come and you guys need to be quiet about this because you're pushing the timeline here and there's a lot that I have left to do before the time of suffering and the time of my death and the time of my resurrection. So Jesus knows all of that is coming and he is simply saying, hey, just hold on. Let's not push things too fast here. I've got lots to do to get things ready for when I suffer and die and the culmination of salvation happens at the cross. Well, I hope you found that interesting today. That's been the podcast for today. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of all. And Mark is showing us how Jesus, by his actions, is proclaiming that he is Lord of all. He's Lord over the spiritual realm. He's Lord over the physical realm. He's Lord over the power of sin. That is being declared and shown all the way through And of course, by declaring himself as Lord over those things, he's making this subtle declaration that he is indeed God. Well, thanks for joining me for the podcast today. So glad that you are tuning in. If you have any questions, feel free to message me. Feel free to write a comment and uh, love to hear your questions. If you have any ideas for future podcasts, things that you would like to hear me talk about, feel free to put those in the comments or to message me through uh, Anchor or Spotify or whatever your platform is. Take care. Have a fantastic day. Be blessed.